Let's take our Bibles this morning. <clears throat> Turn to Genesis chapter 12 this morning. Genesis chapter 12. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 12, and let's read from verse 4 as we begin this morning. <clears throat> verse 4 says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had got gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, once again for the opportunity to be here together in this place. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to gather and spend time in fellowship and spend time gathered around your word. Lord, we pray that this morning as we uh, consider the passage before us, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would teach us, instruct us through your word. Lord, I pray that you would empower me now through the spirit and give me wisdom and guidance as I speak this morning, that it be your words, that it be your thoughts, Lord and that you would receive all the glory, the honor, and praise. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, of course, last Sunday morning, we uh, started talking about God's chosen servant, this man, Abraham. And uh, Sunday morning there, we talked about the fact that there was nothing really special about Abraham. There was nothing really that stood out about him that would make him <clears throat> someone that God would choose to be the father of the nation of Israel. I mean, his name, Abram, means exalted father, and as yet he had no children. Indeed, his wife, Sarah, is barren, and so it seems like he can't ever have any children. And of course, then we talked about how he's one of three sons of Terah, but he's not the eldest. He's possibly the youngest, and so there's no particular blessing, no particular birthright coming his way. And he's living in this wicked, idolatrous city of Ur. And so there doesn't seem to be anything special about him. But as we talked about, God's not concerned with any of those things, is he? God's not concerned with those things. God instead was looking at Abraham's heart. You know, we talked about how he was a man whose heart was soft. It was tender towards the Lord. He was a man of faith. And this made him the, the, the ideal man for God to call, the ideal servant of God, the man God could use to do his will. And then Sunday evening we talked about the call of God upon his life and we talked about how God's call upon his life was one that demanded great sacrifice. In verse 1 there it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And so it was a, it was a command that demanded sacrifice. It would require him to put the Lord first before everything else. And to leave that which he'd known, to be willing to leave his home, his country, to be willing to leave his friends behind and even family behind and follow the Lord by faith. But along with that, God also gave him the promise. The promise that he would not uh, let him down, that God would not shortchange his servant. In verse 2 and 3 we saw it says, <clears throat> And I'll make of thee a great nation, and I'll bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. 
And so God basically promised to him that he wouldn't let him down. You know, if he would sacrifice these things for the Lord, God would more than replace those things. God promised great blessing unto his servants. And so this morning now we come to Abraham's response. God's issued him the call, and now we see Abraham's response to the call of the Lord. And it's one of faith, isn't it? Abraham believes the word of the Lord. He believes the promises of God, and by faith, he obeys God. His, his faith is demonstrated by his obedience. You know, the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, verse, four, uh, verse 8, sorry, sums it up perfectly. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which should afterward receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. Sums it up perfectly, doesn't it? His life. God issued the call. And Abraham, by faith, obeyed. He went out following the Lord. And this morning now, we want to see Abraham's journey as he follows the Lord. And there's two stages to this journey that I want us to consider this morning. Two stages to Abraham's journey as he follows the leading of the Lord. And the first stage is the journey to Haran. The journey to Haran. In verse 4 of chapter 12, uh, it says, So Abram departed <clears throat> as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. As we speak, pick up the story this morning here in chapter 12, Abraham's already living, already dwelling in this place called Haran. But of course, as we talked about last Sunday, the call was issued to him while he was still there in Ur of the Chaldees. Back there in Ur, that's when God spoke to him. That's when God appeared and issued the call. Acts chapter 7, verse 2 made that clear. It says, The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Turan. And then the following verse talks about how he came out of Ur of the Chaldees. And so he was there that he was called by God before he left. And so the point I'm trying to make is that now in chapter 12, he's already in Haran. How did he get there? How did he get to this point? Well, thankfully, the end of chapter 11 gives us the answer, doesn't it? Verse 31, it says, And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan, and they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And so here we see the first leg of the journey. Okay, the first leg of the journey is this uh, travel from Ur up to this place called Haran. And on this first leg, Abraham's not alone. He's not alone. In fact, uh, from verse 31, we learn that Terah, his father, is with him. And Terah, being the patriarch of the family, the, the head of the family, he's said to be the one leading this expedition, okay, in verse 31, it says, And Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, and it goes on. Okay, Terah is said to be at the forefront of this journey here as they leave Ur, and as they travel to Haran. He takes Abraham and Sarah and Lot with him, and they follow him, and they go with him. And verse 31 tells us that they travel as far as this city called Haran. And there they stop, and they dwell. The end of verse 31 says, And dwelt there. So they stop at this city and they, they dwell there for a period of time. Now most commentators estimate that Abraham and Sarah spend between 5 to 15 years 
here at the city of Haran. Okay, we can't be definite on the numbers, but between 5 to 15 years, they wait here in this city. This is a considerable amount of time, isn't it, to stop in one place. When he's been called to, to journey to this, to this land, it's a considerable amount of time to stop and to stay and to settle. And this has led to many commentators to be of the opinion that Abraham here compromised, that he compromised on this first leg of the journey, that he's only partially obeying the Lord here, that he's been partially obedient to the call of God upon his life. And this position is arrived at because of verse 1 there in chapter 12, where it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house. It says there, you know, that he's to leave his father's house, and so many conclude that Abraham is wrong. Okay, he's wrong here because he took his father with him. Indeed, his father seems to be leading the journey. And so many conclude he's wrong to take him with him, to take Lot with him as well, and that therefore he's only being partially obedient here as he leaves Ur and heads up to Haran. He's, been, uh, he's compromising. Now, one commentator wrote this. And he said, whatever you bring with you from the old life into the new is likely to create problems. Terah, Abraham's father, kept Abraham from fully obeying the Lord. Another commentator along the same lines, he said, Terah's presence in the march had the disastrous effect of slackening Abraham's pace and of interposing a gap of years in an obedience which at first promised so well. And so many see this first stage of his journey to Haran as one of compromise, of one of partial obedience. He's been hindered by his father, Terah. And indeed, it is true that things of our past life, friends, family, things, can hinder us in fully obeying the Lord, can't they? They can hinder us in accomplishing the will of God for our lives. And this is why Christ as we saw last Sunday evening, calls us to be disciples. And he says that if we want to be his disciples, we have to be willing to give up all those things. Luke chapter 14. Let's just turn over there and remind ourselves. Luke 14. <clears throat> Luke 14 and verse 33. We talked about this passage last Sunday evening extensively. But verse 33 says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Now Christ talks about the fact we want to be his disciples. We have to be willing to forsake all those things, willing to give those things up for him. Likewise, Hebrews, 11, uh, Hebrews 12, sorry, verse 1, talks about laying aside every weight, doesn't it? Those weights that pull us back, that hinder us in the Christian life, the Christian race. And so it is true that things, that people can hinder us in our obedience to the Lord. But is that really what's happening here? Is that really what's taking place here in Genesis chapter 11 where they leave and they head up to Haran? Is, is this really terror acting as a hindrance to Abraham in his obedience, in his journey? Is he being partially obedient here? Well, I think as we mentioned last week there in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 12, when it says there, now 
the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house. It's more the idea that he must be willing to leave those things behind. A bit bit like what Christ says there in Luke chapter 14. He says that you need to love him and hate your father and mother. We need to be willing to love him more than we love our own family. We're willing to give them up for the Lord. And so it's the idea that Abraham was to leave them behind if they would not support him on his journey in his following the calling of the Lord. One commentator wrote this. He said, and from thy father's house. In other words, if they will not accompany thee. And he goes on, he says, no divine edict forbade the other members of the family of Terah joining in the Abrahamic emigration. And it's true. Nowhere in the word of God do we read that it was wrong for Terah to go with Abraham. Nowhere do we read that. Nowhere in the word of God do we read Abraham being rebuked and condemned for his slackness, for his partial obedience, for being compromised on this first leg of the journey. We don't read that. In fact, quite the opposite is true, isn't it? Everywhere we see Abraham in the New Testament, what's he commended for? For his faith, and it's always connected with what? Him leaving Ur of the Chaldees, him going forth by faith. Hebrews 11 verse 8, we already talked about it. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place, he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. He obeyed it, by faith obeyed, and so this is always connected. So the point is, there's, there's nothing really in the word of God to suggest that he did compromise, that he was being partially obedient. There's nothing to suggest that terror shouldn't have gone with him. We're sort of reading into it. We're reading into the passage. It seems rather instead that Terah decides to go with him. A bit like Lot decides in verse 4 to continue with Abraham. Terah decides that he wants to go with Abraham on this journey after hearing Abraham's testimony. You can imagine Abraham's come home and he's told his father about how he's met with the Lord. The Lord appeared unto him, the pre-incarnate Christ. And he's called him to leave his home and to travel to this land following him. Abraham's told his father this, and his father has heard it and obeyed. He wants to go with him. He wants to follow the call of the Lord as well. Your commentator Gil writes this. He says, What moved terror to depart from Ur of the Chaldees seems to be the call of God to Abram. And he acquainting his father terror with it, he listened to it, being now convinced of his idolatry and converted from it and readily obeyed the divine will. He encouraged their departure from the idolatrous country in which they were and set out with them to seek another where they might more freely and safely worship the true God. And that seems to fit well with the passage. Verse 31, we're told that Terah leads them out to go to Haran. There's no criticism, there's no rebuking of Terah or Abraham. And so it seems to fit that Terah actually goes because he wants to go with Abraham because he's being convicted of his own idolatry by the testimony of his son. And so he wants to go with Abraham to this land that God will show him. And so as the patriarch of the family, he's still the head of the home, isn't he? He's still the head of the family. As the patriarch of the family, Terah is the one that said in verse 31 to lead them out and to travel to this city of Haran. Now the city of Haran was approximately 950 kilometers northwest of Ur. 
almost a thousand kilometers to the north. And it was situated like the city of Ur, it was situated on the Euphrates River. Okay, Ur was right down the bottom there near, in the Persian Gulf where the Euphrates emptied into the sea. Um, the city of Haram was right up north on the Euphrates, basically up where it almost begins. And so they've traveled up the Euphrates River basically. It's, it's going to be a, a relatively easy journey, this first stretch from Ur up to Haran. The commentator Meyer writes this, he says, The clan marched leisurely along the valley of the Euphrates, finding abundance of pasture in its broad plains, until at last Haran was reached. The point is this first leg of the journey was not a terribly difficult one. It was not a hard journey to go from Ur up the Euphrates River, this lush valley, up to Haran. There was plenty of food, there's plenty of water, not just for them, but for their flocks, their herds. And so it's an easy journey. You know, the question might be asked, why are they going to Haran? It's northwest. It's almost a thousand kilometers to the north, whereas Canaan is a thousand kilometers to the west. They're going the wrong direction. Why are they going to Haran? You know, we need to remember that Abraham didn't know that Canaan was his destination. He didn't know that was his final destination. He's following who? The Lord. He's following the Lord. That's what it says at the end of verse 1. It says, unto a land that I will show thee. The Lord's going to show him this land. The Lord's leading this journey along the way. He was 11, verse 8. At the end there it says, not knowing whither he went. He went out not knowing whither he went. He didn't know exactly where he was going to end up. He's following the leading of the Lord. You know, we have the privilege of knowing where he was heading to. As we read it, we know exactly where he's going. We know he's heading to Canaan. And Moses knew that as well. That's why in chapter 11, verse 31, Moses writes this. He says, uh, chapter 11, verse 31, And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and took Sarah, and sorry, and Sarah his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. Moses, as he writes that, he knows that's the final destination. He writes this looking forward to that's where they're going. But the point is, as they set out from Ur, they're following the Lord. They're following his leading. And there's a very good reason why the Lord leads them, first of all, northwest to Haran. There's a very good reason. And that is because it's here at Haran that the caravans would set out across the desert for the land of Canaan. This was the trade route. This is where people would depart from and arrive going the other way. And so it's the ideal place for God to lead him to. It's the ideal destination for Abraham and his family to begin the next leg of the journey. God leads him here for a purpose. You know, upon arrival in this city, they then end up settling and staying there. As we saw there at the end of verse 31, okay, and they came to Iran and dwelt there. And so again, the question might be asked, why do they end up staying here? You know, as we said earlier, they stay for five to 15 years in the city of Haran. Why do they stay so long in this place? Again, we've got to remember who's leading them on this journey. The Lord's leading them. The Lord's leading them across to the land of Canaan, taking his time. God has a plan and a purpose for every stretch of the way, every part of the journey. And so Abraham is waiting upon who? He's waiting upon the Lord. He's waiting for God's timing. He's waiting for the Lord to lead him out on the next leg of the journey. And evidently, God's time hadn't yet come. 
Many commentators uh, agree and assume here that probably his father Terah becomes gravely ill when they arrive here in Haran. And that is what holds them up. But you see, that seems to be from the Lord. That's the Lord's will. The Lord's doing something here. The Lord is removing Terah so that Abraham is now the leader of the family. Because it's not until Terah's dead that Abraham departs and leaves Haran. Acts chapter 7 made that clear. Let's just turn over there. Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, verse 2. It says, And he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham while he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Charan, and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and come into the land which I will show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans, and dwelt in Charan, and from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein he now well, and so it wasn't until his father died that Abraham is led by the Lord to then leave the city of Haran and begin this next leg of the journey. As I said, the death of his father was a necessary trial. It was a necessary trial. It would have been a hard one for Abraham, but it was a necessary trial because it brought about a change in leadership. You see, Abraham was the one called by God to be the father of the nation of Israel, wasn't he? Not Terah. We never associate the, name, the, the nation of Israel with terror, do we? We don't say, oh, he's the father of Israel. It's Abraham. Abraham is the father of Israel. You see, terror had to be removed from the, the equation, if you like. He had to be removed. So that Abraham was now exalted to the position of being the patriarch of the family. The patriarch, the leader. As they then set forth and headed into the land of Canaan, the place God wanted them to dwell. And so this trial, the removal of his father, this trial was necessary. It prepared him, made him ready for the next stage of the journey. And that brings us to our second point this morning, the journey to Canaan. The journey to Canaan. Go back to Genesis chapter 12. Let's read again from verse 4. It says, So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and came into the land, uh, sorry, and into the land of Canaan they came. As I said, the first leg of the journey was a relatively easy one. You know, it was along the riverbed of the Euphrates. Plenty of food, there's plenty of water. He's also on that first leg of the journey being joined by his father. And so that makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? It makes it an easier stretch. It's easier to leave his his home and his friends behind and other family because his father's with him. And they've settled in a relatively comfortable place, Haran. You know, this next section of the journey was going to be a lot harder. This next section of the journey was going to be a greater test of his faith. Greater test of his trust in the Lord. In verse 4, it describes how Abraham now departs in obedience. It says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventeen and five years old and departed out of Haran. So a couple of things are told us here. We're told that he leaves in obedience and Lot decides to go with him. 
Okay? Uh, Lot went with him. It's a, a decision. He wants to go with Abraham on this next stretch as well. We're also told that he's now 75 years old, so he's not getting any younger, is he? Okay, he's not getting any younger, and he begins this next stretch of the journey. And then in verse 5, we're told about all their substance and everything they take with them. It says, And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they gathered, and the souls they got in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. So it talks about their substance that they gathered in Haran, and the, the souls that they gotten in Haran. And evidently what that means is that Abraham was quite successful. Okay, he has quite a bit of substance, flocks and herds, whatever it might be, and he has quite a number of souls. In other words, he has servants as well. He's quite successful there in Haran. Commentator Morris notes this. He says, Abraham was evidently a fairly prosperous rancher or businessman at this time because he had a considerable wealth and a number of servants, all of which he took with him to Canaan. And so it seems he's done quite well for himself in those years that he's been dwelling in Haran. It's been a prosperous time. And that would have only made it harder for him now to leave, wouldn't it? Would have only made it harder for him to now pack everything up and to leave this, this city that he's come to call home again for the last few years, to leave this city and head out to this foreign land that he's never been to, the land of Canaan. Now, indeed, at this point, it would have been much easier for him just to stay put, wouldn't it? It would have been much easier for him just to forget the call of God and to remain where he was comfortable. But instead, what we find is that Abraham makes the decision to obey the Lord and head out by faith. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. He makes a decision. He's going to obey the Lord. He's going to follow the Lord still in faith. Now, we can imagine that his decision to depart was probably met with ridicule. It was probably met with opposition. People laughing at him. Why would you want to go across to Canaan? You've got it made here in Haran. Why are you leaving? Now, by this time, he's probably developed new friends there in Haran. But also, by this time, his brother Nahor has probably traveled up and is living in the same region. Okay, and we say that because later on in Genesis, that's where Abraham's family is dwelling in the region of Haran. And there's another city called Nahor, after his brother. It's that same region. That's where they're living. And so it would seem that they've traveled up as well. They're living in the same region. And so we can imagine that there's probably opposition from family as well. Ask him why he's leaving. But despite the opposition and how comfortable his life was there in Haran, Abraham doesn't begin to question God, does he? He doesn't begin to doubt the Lord. You know, the New Testament declares concerning Abraham, it says that he staggered not through unbelief. Go to Romans chapter 4 with me. You know, I know this passage is talking about concerning the promise of a son, but the principle is the same. Romans chapter 4. <clears throat> now, Romans 4, verse 20. Romans 4, verse 20 says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to, sorry, he was able also to perform. You see, Abraham didn't begin to doubt the Lord. He didn't begin to doubt the Lord. He didn't question God. He didn't doubt his promise. He staggered not through unbelief. But rather, he believed God. He believed that God was able to do that which he promised. And he departed from Haran by faith. 
Now, the journey from Haran to Canaan was not going to be an easy one. This stretch was across the desert, 650 kilometers roundabout southwest across the desert. You know, he's such a large caravan of people. You know, he's got all of his flocks, his herds, he's got his servants with him, family. With all of this traveling together, this was not going to be an easy journey, was it? Southwest across the desert, this is a, a journey filled with danger. It's a journey that's going to test his faith every single day. You see, this was not a leisurely stroll along a lush riverbed anymore. This is a hard and trying journey. Commentator gets he summed up well the contrast between these two stages of the journey. He said this, The trip from Ur to Haran was not difficult. In some ways it was like taking a superhighway rather than a cross-country trail. Pasture land was plentiful in which to graze their flocks. Now came the true test of faith. God was leading Abraham southwest, heading out to a place he had never been before, and it meant crossing the burning desert. You see, this leg of the journey was the test of faith. This is the bit that was really going to test him, test his trust in the Lord. The commentator Meyer writes this, For many days after leaving Haran, the eye would sweep a vast monotonous waste, broken by the scantiest vegetation, the camels treading the soft, sand beneath their spreading spongy feet and the flocks finding but the scanty nutriment on the coarse sparse grass. So the point is this was not this was not an easy journey. This is a hard journey. And they would have to trust the Lord every single day. Trust God to every day give them the, their necessary provisions, food and water that it wouldn't run out, that they would have everything they needed, that God would keep him, his family and flocks safe on this journey. You see, the desert journey was going to teach him what it meant to live by faith, wasn't it? It was going to teach him what it meant to live daily by faith. You know, the wonderful truth here is that God doesn't let him down. God doesn't let him down. God kept him safe on that first easier stretch, and God now keeps him safe on this next harder stretch. God protects him. God brings him safely through the desert and everyone with him. And they come safely into the land of Canaan. Isn't that how verse... Uh, four there, five there ends in chapter 12. In verse 5 ends, it says, And into the land of Canaan they came. They arrive safely at their destination. God kept them safe every step of the way. And tonight we'll consider his journey in the land of Canaan. But God brought him safely on this journey from his home in Ur all the way across the land of Canaan. It was, it was a journey of stages. As I said, the journey to Haran was relatively easy. And it was not until the death of his father that he was ready to journey to Canaan, which is a hard test of faith. But through it all, God was with him. And through it all, God kept his promises. You know, we need to remember that the same is true in our own lives as we follow the Lord in discipleship. And we talked about it extensively last Sunday, didn't we? Now, the Lord's looking for us to have a soft and tender heart like Abraham. And the Lord is calling us to be willing to put everything else aside and put him first. Follow him in discipleship. You know, when we step out in faith and follow the Lord, there will be times when the journey seems easier. There will be. There will be times when the road seems to be fairly easy. But at the same time, there will also be times coming 
when the road will be harder. When the road will be a harder test of our faith. You know, also along the way there will be necessary trials, just like Abraham, the death of his father, terror. There will be necessary trials to help us grow, help us to be all the Lord wants us to be. The Lord may even use those trials to move us onto our next stage of the journey. The next part he has for us in this life. You see, we need to remember that God has a reason and purpose for it all, doesn't he? For the easy times and for the harder times, for the trials, God has a reason, a purpose for all of it. If we're following him by faith and we're in his will. This is what Romans 8 says. Romans 8, we know the verse well, but Romans 8, we'll conclude there. Romans 8, verse 28. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, if we're walking in the will of God, following him by faith, then we can be sure that whatever comes our way is for our good and for his glory. The good times, the hard times, the trials. We simply need to remember to keep our eyes upon him and keep trusting him, keep walking daily by faith. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the example once again of Abraham. And Lord, his faith in trusting you and journeying, Lord, to this foreign land, following your leadership every step of the way. And Lord, the journey was at times easy. It was also at other times hard. But Lord, you were with him through it all. And Lord, likewise, as we follow you by faith, Lord, you're with us through it all. And we thank you and praise you for that. Lord, may you increase our faith and may you help us daily to walk by faith, trusting in you. And bless as we close now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.